When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me as always is the beat writer for Pitt Athletics over at DK Pittsburgh Sports, among many other things. Corey Christen, how you doing, brother? Still getting caffeinated this morning, Gary, but back after a really lengthy hiatus, uh, longer than we wanted it to be with. Obviously, I took a break. I took a vacation out to the Jersey shore, hung out for about a week, you know, got to see the ocean, which was very nice, very appreciative at the time I got to spend out there. And then lo and behold, I flew to Phoenix to cover what was a bad baseball series for the Pittsburgh pirates, um, <laughs> Pittsburgh pirates in that. So and we're I back was in, in San Francisco in that period of time. And I, I think yeah. I was in Boston and busy, Atlanta. Busy men we are yeah. busy men. We are, it's hard sometimes, but we're going to get back to more consistent programming, more consistent shows, especially now that football season's on the horizon. This is the week where ACC kickoff, the uh, media days are in Charlotte, North Carolina midweek. Now, in the past, obviously, I have gone to Charlotte. I have gone to the media days. I will be in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, depending on how you say it. Latrobe, Latrobe, depending on how you say it, uh, come Wednesday for Steelers training camp. So, the next H2P that we do, I will be in a Airbnb somewhere in Latrobe, um, and Gary will be in his very nice, pristine studio rocking whatever pirate's lid he chooses uh, for that week. <laughs> the City Connect this week. Are you a fan yeah. of the City Connects? Quick sidebar. I like the hats. I okay. don't necessarily like the jerseys all that much, but I like the hats. So I, hat I got clean. the hat. Yeah. The hat looks clean. I'll give you that. And I, I will say up close. The jerseys. Up close, they look a lot better than than they do like on TV. Like you can't really see the patterning, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like unless you're up close to it, it's pretty nice. Well, I could tell the patterns on the hat you're wearing right now. I could yep. tell the little like you know almost diamonds they look like. like yeah, but if you watch them on the field, you can't see it. It just looks yellow. So like <laughs> from from a distance, yeah, from yeah. a distance, you need a really good camera to see. Um, all that stuff. But again, like I mentioned, we're going to get back to more consistent programming uh, from this point forward, especially, you know, we are in the nitty gritty now. We are, what, five weeks away from football season, six weeks away, weeks away from football season. Yep. So we're hitting we're hitting ground running. And of course, you know, basketball with the success they had last year, that's not going to stop. There's still a spot to fill on the roster, which we're monitoring. But, you know, it's been kind of cold right now on the basketball front. But there is basketball to be played this week, Gary. Well, that's where we should start, Corey. You were talking about it. Um, it's the Zoo Crew. I didn't even know this was a thing mm-hmm. until you brought it up to me. Um, but apparently there's going to be some hoops for people to watch. So why don't you go ahead and dive into that a little bit? So every summer there is an organized, essentially an alumni basketball tournament. It's called TBT, the basketball tournament. And it's a 64-team field. Basically... The majority of them are alumni-based teams. So, for example, the Zoo Crew, which is Pitt's team, is going to be 
composed of most of or all Pitt alums. There's one that I learned of this tournament when I was in Syracuse because of Bayheim's Army, the Syracuse alumni team, which is led by Eric Devendorf. So the Zoo Crew roster, it, first off, it's led by Gilbert Brown, current assistant coach at Pitt, and of, of course a former player, but he's going to be the head coach of this Zoo Crew team. Dewan Blair's coming on as an assistant coach. So the names are the names stack up. Um, the roster, you can look at guys from as close as this year's team with a Greg Elliott, Nellie Cummings, Nike Sabandi are playing in it. You can go back in the time machine. You can look at LeVance Fields, who, of course, we all know and love is going to be in it. Uh, Sam Young's going to be playing in it. Ryan Luther is going to be playing in it. Jamel Artis is going to be playing in it. So this isn't necessarily a who's who as intentionally you might think it might be, but this is like contracted players and the prize of winning this tournament, 64 team tournament is a $1 million pot that every player on the team splits. So, you know, there's like $88,000 on the line for each of these players for them to win. And another cool thing about this is when you look at guys like Elliot and Sabandi and Cummings who are fresh out of college who, who, you know, Nelly Cummings, we heard this week, he's going to go play um, over in Cyprus professionally. He's playing a one-year right. contract for a professional club in Cyprus out in the Mediterranean. Nike Sabandi, of course, played for the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA Summer League. You look at um, Greg Elliott, who worked out for the Pistons in the pre-draft process. So this isn't just, hey, let's get together, play fun pickup. This is actual five-on-five basketball that we're yeah. going to see with stakes, with a prize on the line. And it's not out of the realm of possibility that maybe a Cummings or a Sabandi or an Elliott get a look from a team, you know, if they do well enough. And this could result in something in the way of a two-way or a 10-day contract for the NBA, you know, or a G League contract. So this is really cool. And it tips off for, for Pitt, I should say, um, the Zoo Crew. It tips off Tuesday, the 25th at 9 o'clock p.m. And the games are all shown on either ESPN2 or ESPN plus this game. So the pit zoo crew is in the West Virginia um, region of their bracket. They tip off the 25th at nine o'clock against herd that, which is the university or Marshall university. I should say uh, the thundering herd, of course, they're alumni team that is going to be in Wheeling, West Virginia. If they win that game, they move on to the second round to face the winner of Dubois dream and best Virginia, which is the West Virginia alumni team. So we could have a backyard brawl redux of sorts. Uh, that would be on the 27th at seven o'clock. If the best Virginia and the zoo crew teams each win their first round game. So we could have, you know, throwback time machine, backyard brawl stuff yeah. down in wheeling. So it's cool for this time of year because let's face it. Okay. Football training camps, just getting underway. You're in the thick of baseball season. That's really the only thing that's going on right now. NFL training camps are getting in. There's no NBA. There's no NHL. If you're a soccer fan, you're obviously watching the Women's World Cup right now, which I got to take in, you know, last night on a Friday, which was awesome to see USA beat Vietnam. But this is something cool to help fill the gap and, and get the basketball juices flowing. It's something for, you know, those alumni and, and for the pit basketball fans to look at. And, you know, you can reminisce on the LeVance Fields days. And even with these current guys, you can look at, Sabandi and Cummings and Elliott and remember and redo and uh, revisit these great, these great, you know, games they played this last year. Basketball has done a much better job with uh, creating alternatives to its own sport. Um, 
I think for, for post-college type athletes, they've had that slam ball for years. Which came back, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Slam ball's back. I, I just watched it last night, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Ice Cube's got that three-man team thing that he's got going on, which I don't know if that's gaining traction or not, but it's a lot of former players that just missed getting drafted, and that's pretty cool. You got all the European leagues, you got the G League, you got the Summer League. I mean, they keep you entertained all year long with with like pretty high quality basketball sports. It's it's fun to see. And football still hasn't quite figured that out, I don't think yet. Um I don't know about you, but I can't bring myself to watch the Marauders and all that stuff. It just doesn't do anything for me. Well, here's um, the Well, let me let me chime in on that because I mean, I know we got to take a break in a minute, but I think that, you know, with basketball, it's a little bit easier to just go play pickup per se. Sure. Like you can't really play pickup football. You can play sandlot football and backyard football and, you know, get the boys together and throw it around. No, but but you like, can do like a five on five NFL blitz style sure. flag football type thing. I think people would embrace that with veterans that like had got forced into retirement or guys who didn't get drafted, things like that. But make for it a little bit less serious. Purposes. But for marketability purposes, right? You want to be able to market Gilbert Brown in Levance Fields. Like, could you realistically market, for example, Larry Fitzgerald coming back to play and televise in a football league, you know, years after the fact that he played football at Pitt? Not so sure you could do that. I don't know, man. That commercial with Brett Favre and Jerry Rice throwing crap around with copper lasted a long time. Mm, It's true. It's true, yeah. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to dig into the ACC football schedule a little bit. We're back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey and Gary with you. And it was fun talking about a little bit of uh, basketball, which I guess we can take relatively seriously. I didn't know about the prize money. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, ACC football. You're not going to be at the ACC football meeting that they have before. And I honestly don't think you're going to miss a whole lot. It seems to be just some sound bites and kind of just whatever they want you to hear at, at the time from a couple players. And, and I do know you get some more in-depth stuff from, from talking to people, but the buzz seems to be all about Florida state, almost like it was about Miami last year. Is it more real with Florida state this year than it was with Miami? That's a good talking point to bring up. Because with Miami, if you want to go back and, and revisit what the conversation was about around the Hurricanes last year, it was Mario Cristobal coming in as the hotshot coach. It was the recruiting class being as good as it's been in several years. It was the band of athletes that you thought Miami was going to bring back and together. Now you look at Florida State and not really in the similar context of team structure and how they're built. But it all starts with, of course, Jared Verse on the defensive side of the ball and Jordan Travis at quarterback. Like, I think that Jordan Travis can be anything from the best quarterback in the ACC to just a mid-tier quarterback. 
And we haven't really seen like the body of work to believe, you know, look at a Caleb Williams at USC, for example, like Caleb Williams wins the Heisman was a rock star at the position last year. And then you look at USC this year and you can say confidently, yeah, they're going to be led by Caleb Williams. They're going to go far because of Caleb Williams. People are not necessarily applying that same logic, I think, to Jordan Travis. But at the same time, I think that they're kind of trying to find that Jordan Travis could be the next Caleb Williams. And I'm not saying it's a stretch. I'm not saying I disagree with it. I think there's the potential on a high end for him to do stuff like that this year. He's a good supporting cast around him. The recruiting class was fine. But I need to see the body of work from Jordan Travis to be able to confidently look at Florida State. They play LSU week one. We're going to know right away whether Florida State is for real or not right away. With all the talk, with all the hype, with all the preseason expectations, they're probably going to get picked first in the league. I think that there's tangible expectation for Florida State to win the league. But can they do it? I mean, they're going to have to put the money where the mouth is, just like just like Miami had to do last year and didn't. See, I always go with the best quarterback, and to me, that's Drake May from North Carolina. I can't see anybody else stepping up and being the best quarterback in this conference. I, Travis, maybe. Okay. But I don't know him the way I've seen Drake May. And when you really like started looking into what he dealt with last year, 40 sacks last year and he still was was as awesome as he was i i don't see that going badly in north carolina they've got some talent the skill positions are all over the place their defense looks to be shored up a little bit i am probably thinking they're being underrated even being picked number three i think they're they're probably my pick to win the acc they are a legitimate pick to win the ACC this year. It's it's going to likely be favored to Florida State because of the hype. I mean, people buy into it. Sure. I think you're right about Drake Bay in the sense of that he is the best quarterback in the ACC as we sit here right now in July. I think he's he's without a shadow of a doubt. Like when you watch his when you look at his skill set, the numbers aside, watch his watch how he throws the ball, watch how he makes decisions. Watch how he makes his receivers better. Josh Downs is gone, right? And he was a huge part of that offense. And that's not to be taken anything away from him. But I think when you look at a Drake May and the way he was able to make Josh Downs and the rest of that receiving core better, you saw it in the pit game last year. It wasn't Josh Downs that annihilated pit. It was their number two that annihilated pit. And they found ways to make plays and get Drake May out of the pocket and evade all the pressure that pit was throwing at him. This is another you know, case, and I think I forget the week exactly. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but it's relatively early in the season when North Carolina visits Pitt. I think it's the ACC opener off the top of my head. This is off the top of my head. But I'm looking at when North Carolina goes against the Miamis and goes against the Florida States and goes against the Pitts when you're facing a better defense than your average defense. You know, Pitt is going to have another better than average defense this year. And they're built that way to win by defense. Can you do that in this ACC, in this year's ACC, where the quarterbacks are going to dominate with Drake May, with Brennan Armstrong, with Riley Leonard, with Jordan Travis? How can you do that in a climate like this ACC is going to present this year? And, you know, Clemson is up there again. Clemson's always up there. Um, 
I I truly think it's name recognition at this point in recruiting classes more so than what we're actually seeing on the field. So when you actually get into the season, I think that's when you find out what kind of Clemson team you have. You know, um, I think we all assume Dabo Swinney is going to coach a good team, you know, but is it going to be that team that doesn't have enough defense? Is it going to be that team that can't quite figure out its quarterback room? Is it going to, they seem to be missing an element you know, for the last few years, just about every year. And this year, we should remind everybody, the ACC is different, right? It's not coastal, and um, they've changed it to one big, fat division. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? No coastal, no Atlantic. I don't mind it, but I want to see how it pans out towards the end of the season. As of right now, I like the structure. I like the idea of having, like, three common opponents for every school, throughout these next few years for Pitt, it's going to be Virginia tech, Boston college and Syracuse. So you'll see those three schools on the, on the schedule every year for these next few years. I like it from the standpoint of creating top heavy competition and creating a pennant race, so to speak. Right. And it's going to be the top two, regardless of um, previous division. Now that's going to play an EC championship game. Now that wouldn't have benefited Pitt last year. They still would have finished, you know, fourth or fifth, whatever it was, but it's going to, it's going to benefit the teams like a North Carolina and the teams like a, it's, let me put it this way. It's not going to benefit the best team in the league. It's going to benefit the second to fourth best teams in the league is what this is going to do. And then, you know, I mean, from the bottom, if you're at the bottom of the league, you're at the bottom of the league. That's the, that's the brass tacks. What this is really going to do is create competition between that, that team two like almost like a wild card, like feel to it because you could look at winner of the coastal or winner of the Atlantic and also the parity between the conferences, uh, between the divisions within the conference is kind of large. Like when you look at the ACC championship game last year between Clemson and North Carolina, you gave North Carolina a chance because of Drake may, but what else were you going to say about them? What other reason did they have to right. be Clemson or how were they going to be Clemson? Obviously that's not how it worked out. North Carolina was a good team, but it didn't work out that way. Now, when you look at the ACC in, in a, you know, bunch together situation instead of divisions, now you have to look at Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina. You can look at Pitt. You can look at several teams that are in that top five, you know, pick your favorite and then who contends for number two. It almost feels like to me, like when I think of who's going to be that second team, I what I don't want to see happen is that the top team in the conference, whoever it is, runs away with the league. And then we're seeing almost like a baseball wild card situation for the number two seed and for that second spot in the AC championship game where towards the end of the year, we're not worried about what Clemson is doing, right. if that makes sense. So we're yeah. not worried about what North Carolina is doing and they're playing lack of a better phrase, irrelevant football at the end of the year because they've already locked in the one seed or like, for example, we're going to water down, um, pick a game in the last week of the season. Let's say it's like Pitt Duke at the end of the year for, 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 for talking point here. I'm thinking about where is Pitt going to be after week 11? Where is Duke going to be after week 11? Are they in bowl contention? Are they contending for the top of the ACC? Are they both? Are they neither? And if Pitt and Duke, which are two good football teams, are not vying for that second seed, 
that game becomes, and they both have a bowl lockdown already, that game becomes irrelevant from a stakes perspective. It just becomes another ACC game. So maybe it's for some more stuff like a ranking or, you know, Pitt could be playing out of El Paso or and they could be playing into San Diego or they could be playing for a spot in, in Orlando at, you know, that bowl game, the Camping World Stadium. You know, I, I think that there's going to have new stakes tied to these bowl games. And we're going to have to see how this develops over the course of this year. The ACC made it very clear this is a trial run period, so to speak, over the next few years. So we'll see if they like it. We'll see what kind of competition it creates. There's good that can come out of it. I'm just not so sure if I could see it from stakes and from interest perspective towards the end of the season. Well, everything any of these conferences does at this point is a trial balloon effort for a year because who the heck knows what they're going to look like next year? Who the heck knows how long they're going to last and who's going to move where and, and, and all that jazz. So let's take one more break here, Corey. We come back. Let's focus a little bit more on where we think Pitt lands in the ACC. And we're back to the HTP podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. And Corey, it's time for us to focus on, you know, the namesake of the show, Pitt. We spent a lot of time talking about the other ACC teams, and, and I still didn't get to really talk about Duke as much as I was going to because they're my dark horse to sneak up there and take that number two spot. Um, I have an all North Carolina championship game in my head of North Carolina and Duke. I think those two teams are both going to surprise people. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, Pitt could surprise us too. My lack of belief in their transfer quarterback is why I don't have them up there. Convince me otherwise, sir. <laughs> Love that. So Pitt's over under this year, six and a half, which we talked about it before. When I looked at it at the first glance, I was like, that is so low. That's lowballing them. That's disrespectful. You can't do that. Then I took a step back and I said, okay, let's think about it this way. They're losing their ACC leading rusher in Izzy Abanacanda. They're losing their best player in Kalaja Kansi. They're losing a lot of players, their defensive signal caller in Servasia Dennis. They're losing quite a bit of steam on the defensive end with both their safeties being out. Pitt has to replace a lot of starters on either side of the ball. That includes a quarterback. And just like we talked about when Keen Slovis left when Phil Dracovic committed over the course of the spring, over the course of parts of the summer. Phil Dracovic's growth is going to swing how Pitt does this season. I, I, I do believe that. And you're not, you're not confident on him. You're not high in him. And I can understand why. I can understand why a Pitt fan might look at Phil Dracovic and just say, well, what's there to be excited about other than that he's from here? <laughs> you know, like yeah. what he did at Boston College, well, first off, going to Notre Dame was negligible. What he did at Boston College wasn't outstanding. It wasn't outstanding under Signetti. It wasn't outstanding when he was hurt. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't outstanding. Like you thought he could have been coming out of, you know, Pine Richland. You know, I'm looking at Athlon right here and Athlon Sports, you know, Athlon Phil Steele, when you look at preseason college football stuff, they're tremendous. Athlon has Pitt ranked sixth in the ACC as of right now. And that is sitting behind, of course, Florida State, Clemson, 
North Carolina at three. They got Miami at four. I'm jury out on the Hurricanes until further notice. And then Duke at five. I know how much you love Duke. I'm a, I, you might not be surprised to hear Duke ahead of Pitt by this point because of Riley Leonard, because of Mike Elko and his growth. I, I know you're right. really high on Duke this year. So when you look at Pitt and you look at them, okay, maybe projected towards the middle somewhere, there's reason to believe that Pitt could be in the middle this year without all of those key pieces that I mentioned with Phil Dracovic. And quite frankly, I'm not sold on the receiving core as a whole unit quite yet either. And this is an ACC where you have to learn to throw the ball. I like Rodney Hammond as a starting running back. And we'll talk more about, you know, in-depth stuff with, with Hammond and Kanate Mumfield and Bub Means and, and Dejon Reynolds as we get into, <clears throat> of course, August and then leading up into kickoff. But I'm not sold on the receiving core as a whole this year. And we didn't see Gavin Bartholomew get used in the right way last year. There was a, there was a criminal misusage of Gavin Bartholomew. AKA at offense. all. Right. Yeah. There, was a, there was a criminal misusage of Gavin Bartholomew in this offense last year. So how does Frank Signetti get that tight end more involved? How does Frank Signetti get Phil Dracovic to a spot of comfortability? And of course, having familiarity from their time together at Boston College is going to help along with that. But you have to be sold on Phil Dracovic leading this offense. You have to be sold. I mean, if Nick Patty can do it in the Sun Bowl, with all due respect to Nick Patty, who sat the bench all year, waited his time out, great human being, deserved the spotlight, and he got it. But if Nick Patty can come in and lead the offense in the Sun Bowl, albeit with the Jared Wayne, and it is Ivanakanda, then what is the ceiling for Phil Dracovic to operate in this offense? Does Phil Dracovic need to be a top three or four quarterback in the ACC for Pitt to be a top three or four team in the ACC? Does Phil Dracovic's success or lack thereof correlate to how good Pitt is this year? Now, I'll back that up by saying this. I like Pitt's defense, even without Cancy and Servassier and Desolate Alexander and those that they lost along with it. I think there's pieces that can step in. We saw it happen in the Sun Bowl. We saw it in the spring game with P.J. O'Brien, Javon McIntyre making plays. We think Bengali Kamara can step up as a linebacker, as a really good linebacker at that. There's trust within that defensive line in that room that Charlie Partridge builds and develops. There's a lot of trust on that defense. Where's the trust within the offense? I think, and we're going to talk more about that, I think, as the summer months go on. And again, as we lead to kickoff, can we trust the offense to compete with the North Carolinas and the Dukes and the Clemsons and the Florida States this year? Yeah, we'll have to dissect the team because what what we're talking about here, it looks like a Virginia roster. You know, it's it's very, very defense heavy, and I just don't necessarily think that that wins the ACC. So it's going to be interesting to watch develop, and as we get into camp and everything, we'll be able to really see a little bit more of what we think. I, I'm, I'm just as interested in who the backup quarterback is as the starter because history tells us it's going to be necessary. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's Nate Yarnell, in a way, I'm kind of like – Good. I mean, like this kid is, I think, earned a shot and for some reason never gets one, but just looks like a gamer to me. Just looks like one of those kids who maybe doesn't impress in practice, but once you put him in, he he just for some reason has it. Let's end the show with this then, because you brought him up. Okay. Are you in fear of Nate Yarnell becoming the next Nick Patty? 
from that standpoint. Like never playing? Yes. Being a guy that's always in the house, you like him. He's a good kid. He has a good head on his shoulders. He knows how to run the offense. He's there. He can run scout team. He can do just about anything you want him to do. But he doesn't quite get the shot to play quite yet. Now, of course, there's always the possibility he could transfer. I'm not saying he's going to. I'm not saying he's not going to. But when you have a tight defense block as a freshman in, in the wings, when you have a Christian Veyer, you bring in from Penn State. Where does that leave Nate Yarnell? I mean, that's that's the fact of the matter. Pitt doesn't have a quarterback in their 24 class quite yet. So we'll have to see what they do on that front. But could we worry about Nate Yarnell and a guy that has shown he, he won a game at Western Michigan. He's able to confidently come in and in a bowl game, he played a few snaps in the bowl game. Like, does Nate Yarnell get pass and the really, here? really didn't like being taken out. So he was, he was pissed. Yeah, he was pissed. Well, no, I mean, that should tell you, like, in all sincerity, the transfer is right around the corner. If he doesn't get to play this year, you can just tell it. So I'm, I'm just saying if he's a talent, let's find out. And Phil Dracovic is the type of quarterback, at least historically, where you're going to find out. So I'd like to see him be the backup. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Assuming health, of course, we're talking about a starter for the 2024 season, but as a backup to Phil right now, in, in, in case of emergency break glass situation, is it going to be Veyer? Is it going to be Yardell? You know, there's no, there's no competition here for the starter this year. It's for number two. And that's completely fine. But I think Signetti and Narduzzi have to choose this wisely. Not just from a standpoint of this quarterback is playing better than that quarterback, whether that's Yarnell playing better than Bayer or vice versa. It has to come from a, a, almost a politics standpoint, too. It, do you risk losing a Nate Yarnell if you tell him he's going to be the third string quarterback this year after he sat behind whatever Keaton Slovis was and then sitting behind Nick Patty, who he just experienced that with? And Nick Patty just experienced sitting behind Kenny Pickett. And then Keaton Slovis comes in and takes his job, comes in and wins the Sun Bowl as kind of like the final like dagger into I could have played all along. So we'll see what happens in the Yarnell scope. And we'll see what happens with the backup quarterback battle. That's yeah. going to be like the main battle within that position. On the offense, maybe not so much, but that's going to be where you look for with that position. Like, I respect Pitt for bringing in transfer quarterbacks, and I understand the thinking. You know, they got a veteran team that you think is ready to compete everywhere except that position. It's time to go out and get somebody, bring them in. Hopefully, they can help. Maybe they will. Um, but at some point, to really win in the ACC, I think you have to develop your own quarterback. I think that's what we've seen with Drake May. I think that's what you see with with most like Joe, you know, Lawrence, I think in, in Clemson, that's what you see is like a developed quarterback that like actually comes up internally sticks for a few years. Kenny Pickett comes to mind and and you grow with them. I think that's how Pitt's going to have to get their quarterback. Cause they're not going to get that five-star recruit. They're going to get a three and turn them into somebody that you thought was a five. And that's just not going to happen overnight. So when I get guys that I think have a lot of talent, I just want to make sure that they've tried at least to squeeze the juice out of them before we just discard them. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's a, and that's fair. You know, college athletes aren't entitled to development or entitled to playing time. This is a opportunity committing and signing to play college football is an opportunity. And if Nate Yarnell or Christian Bayer or Ty Diefenbach 
don't feel like they have a pathway to start at quarterback at Pitt in 2024, 2025. They have every right to go explore a different option. And is that good for the player? Is that bad for the player? Is it good if Nate Arnell sticks around for four years and is the backup quarterback? And then maybe he gets his shot next year. It would be three years by next year. Does it? Is it fair that Christian Veyer goes to Penn State, is heralded as the next big thing, and then the actual next big thing, and Drew Aller comes along, forcing him to transfer on? Is it fair? No. Is that what happens? Yes. That's the world of college football. Right. It's, a, it's a cutthroat in a way world. It's a dog-eat-dog world. You have to be ready to play. You have to sign at the right program. You know, Pitt isn't the only school that offered Phil Dracovic, Ty Diefenbach, Nate Yarnell, Phil, uh, uh, Christian Bayer. They could have played at a group of five. They could have played at a smaller school and probably started by now if they really wanted to. And then maybe done it backwards where they transfer to the power five and then start quarterback as a senior there. They could have done that route. This is the route they all chose. So you kind of deal with the ramifications around that. You deal with the the punches thrown at you. You know, I don't think that Nick Patty anticipated Keaton Slovis coming in. I don't know if Nate Yarnell anticipated Phil Dracovic coming in, but it happened. Hey, good stuff, man. I, I It's nice getting back in the saddle, first of all. And talking mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, football was, was nice because I, we are getting pretty close to that now. So good stuff and uh, good luck over at camp, man. It'll be a fun time. It'll be a fun time. We're going to roll, um, of course, a lot of Steelers coverage coming out. That's why I'm there, to roll out as much Steelers coverage as possible. So we'll see what happens in the scope of Pitt. But we do want to reinforce and reiterate that we want this podcast to grow. We want this podcast to be back on a consistent basis. If there was a time for us to skip a couple weeks of episodes, I think middle of July was a good time to do it. Yeah. But, you know, we want to be back now that football season is, is you know, we're flowing the juices again. We're, I mean, we're 60 days away from the backyard brawl. That's not talking about kickoff. That's talking right. about backyard brawl. And if you want to check out, uh, I think was a cool write-up on the website, uh, DKPittsburghSports.com, the five best pit football players to come from West Virginia. Believe it or not, Gary, in my research, it's a shorter list than I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to see a lot more that jumped the border up north and came to play football up here, but it wasn't the case. No, check that one out. I'm interested to check it out. I heard you talking about writing it, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, all I can say is everybody have the kind of fun this weekend that the twins had down at Picklesburg. All the pictures <laughs> made it look like they were having a blast down there. So. That's where I'm going today, actually. In, Good in for about you, four man. Hours ago. I've never been to Picklesburg. This is my first one. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it, one. man. I, there's a there's a pickle flavored beer from um, Southern Tier that I saw mm-hmm. some people trying and Turner's Tea of course, did a, a, a pickle flavored tea, which I don't know about that. But see, here's here's my stance on pickles. I like them. They're a fabulous accoutrement to a sandwich. Fabulous accoutrement to anything that you put sliced meat, cured meat, cheese on a deli ham. I, I'm good with it. You know, give me a pickle on the side, a spear, chips, whatever it is. I'm not going to go pickle ice cream. I'm not that out there. I'm not for it yet. I have to be nug- pushed over the edge on that one. Well, that's I'll- what Picklesburg's all about is like yeah. it's going to give you an opportunity to to try a dainty little spoonful of of something like that instead mm-hmm. of like feeling like you have to embrace it and buy a quart. You know what I mean? Fair like- enough. You know what? Fair enough. I'll I'll try the spoonful of the pickle ice cream or, you know, the pickle whatever it is. But 
you're not gonna you're not gonna press me to buy a bag of you know dill pickle potato chips or again i like the form i like the cucumber pickle form but we're gonna have to take the steps towards you know the ice cream and the milk and all that other stuff well it's gonna be fun for you and fun for everybody else so hey have a great weekend everybody and we end the show the same way every time h2p 